Hello, my name's James Mullinger, and Birchwood Podcast is brought to you by Spludcast and Boys Club. Hey, what's up, weirdos? It's Mark Splude, and I am the host of the Spludcast. But you know, you should probably know that already, shouldn't you? You don't know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone listens to my show. What's the point of even doing a commercial? Well, listen, just in case there's one poor bastard out there who doesn't know about it, it's the best damn podcast in the world, and you can find it every Thursday on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your shit. Get my shit. It's called the Spludcast. Check it out. Download it. Sit down on your ass, crack a Dos fire up your favorite sativa, and driver right the fuck into you. Boys Club. Is it called Boys Club because my apartment looks like a boy lives in it? I wouldn't say a boy lives in it. I would say a boy is kidnapped somewhere in here. Boys Club. We're everything. We're true crime. We're, we're world true, star hip hop. world star hip hop. We're Netflix reviews. Stories of the day. Boys Club. Listen. Yeah, do it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I think. Uh, no, we're not. And on Google Play. Nobody gives a shit. Boys Club. Boys Club podcast. Now with 90% more sound clips of black people. Boys Club. Touch me and I'll soup. Birchwood podcast is also brought to you by... At Chuckles Comedy Club in the Parkway Mall. I will never be more popular than I am when I'm opening cat food in the kitchen. That's as good as it gets. Crowd favorite, Brett Martin. I get the can going and they lose their mind. Oh my God, he's doing it again. Oh, I love you. Oh my God, you are my best friend. Oh, every time I try to do that, my teeth hurt so bad. Oh my God, I love you. I love you. Like, oh, do tell, do tell. With VIP seating options and lots of parking, it's the ultimate date night. For ticket information and upcoming shows, visit ChucklesComedyClub.ca. It's Friday. I'm heading to Moncton to open for the great James Mullinger at the Capitol Theater. I have no idea how many tickets are sold. I know there was 400 sold in an 800-seat theater over a week ago. I wouldn't be surprised if it sold out because everybody um, loves James Mullinger. Even people that have seen him before recently go back and see him again. They just love the guy, man. It doesn't matter if they've seen the material before. It doesn't matter if they just saw him last week. They're going to go see him again. I kind of forget exactly how the story went. So you didn't you call me on the phone? Yeah, so, I was, so basically, so I was given your name and number by, I think, Pete Johansson in London. Uh, uh, so which is which is weird because I think I opened for him in Calgary, circa nineteen ninety six. Right. One time, boom. Never what? saw him again. Right. But you were famous as the only comedian ever to move to New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I had kids. I had so, to. So 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 I meet. I, it was I, either it was either move back to New Brunswick and yeah. raise these children, right. or be a piece of shit. Well, story and, of my first and maybe wildly successful. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, who knows what could have happened to any of us if we'd stayed in the places we were? But yeah, I mean, for me, it was like yeah, want a garden, need to move to New Brunswick. To have so a garden. when you so you were just trying to hook up with other comedians, yeah, like what's going well, on? So here? basically, so I had been, I had been to. I've been, I obviously started dating my wife in about 2000. Been to New Brunswick. Oh, I started dating her in 2001. Oh, perfect. But there we go. <laughs> There's always a bit of crossover in New Brunswick. No, no, I'm joking. And, um, and, and then we, so I visited a few times. And then what happened was one um, summer, I'm here, 
And my father-in-law says to me, he goes, oh, James, ba- is it Barry. Barry, Barry Arthur? The infamous Barry. The infamous Barry. <laughs> Barry says, there's a comedy festival in St. John right now. And I went, is there fucking bollocks, mate? Like, what is it? I'm in a field telling a joke. <laughs> and then I pick up the paper and I'm like, oh, my God, like, David Giovanni's here, Glenn Foster's here, all these people here. And there's... Was that 2006? Yeah. Uh, no, because, uh, yes, yes, it well, oh, no, 2008, maybe. Eight, okay. And then, so there was all these things, and I, went, I saw Nathan McIntosh at the Imperial, he was very new to stand-up then, and Jeremy Hotson. Uh, so anyway, I went to all these shows, and then on the front page of the, new, of the Kings County Journal was Glenn Foster doing a gig at this place called the Mason Jar in Sussex. So I thought, they could, someone could do comedy here. So I got in touch with the Mason Jar about putting on a show there, and then said to Pete Hansen, oh, I want to do a show in New Brunswick. And, you know, do you know any comedians there? And he was like, there's one. This guy. And he said, the show's really good, but uh, something went terrible in his life and he had to move to You just, that's, you just, just summed up my autobiography. He was good, but something went terrible in his life. And he's still good and it still doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, so th- you then hooked me up with Lloyd Raven, who hooked yep. me up with Neil Munnell, and then we did this show at the main. So we so we put the tickets on sale. My mother-in-law was basically the promoter. We, we had I had posters designed by someone in London, sent flyers over. Long story short, we sold out one show. We sold out a second show. We do that show together. We all get on like house on fire. We're all basically in New Brunswick, living the dream. In the I think for all of us, it was. For, certainly for me, it was the first time my name had ever been in lights. All of our names, awesome. remember, were about I remember, and we got our picture taken. But that's a second. There's a great picture of all four of us in front of that sign. Our names are, are on a board. So I'm... I a, had some hair then. You had some hair then, I know, right? <laughs> on your ass, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> and, um, and Stick then, it out of my jeans. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I saw it. I saw it poking its way out. And, um, and then I remember... And so we, we did... And, and again, so for me, uh, coming here, it was like, Wow. Um, I, I, we feel like stars and I didn't know how much our letter was going on in New Brunswick. I didn't know if you guys were doing shows all the time or not, or not, or, or, you know, whatever. All I knew was I'm coming to a pl- to this small place and being appreciated. The show's fun. We made money. They were great shows. They were great shows. And then, so then we all had fun. Then we did it again the following year. Lloyd put on a show and we did one all together at the St. John Theatre Company, which was my first time. I do time remember there. that. And, and more then, photos were taken then. Yeah. And yeah. then we added, a sh- uh, we did a show in Sussex again the following year at the Mason Jar's new venue. And basically all of that was my first inkling that maybe it's possible to do comedy here. And However, then, and then speak- 2009, I started Shane Ogden Presents exactly. at, at the now closed Three Mile. And then I closed Three Mile. And then Pam comes here in 2013 to, and we're, we're, you know, we, we know we're coming, but I'm kind of in the mindset of I'm going to have to, you know, because you meet New Brunswickers and they were like, oh, you're a comedian, no, you're not going to be able to make a living here, blah, 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 blah. And then Pam is driving around looking at houses and then drives past the three mile and sees the sign, four tickets, call, live And then my cell number, which is still the same cell number. But you know what's funny? (laughs) Dale Dale made that sandwich board. No way! It was Dale Tower. No way. And those who don't know, Julie Tower, my business partner, Chuckles Comedy Club. Her husband, Dale Tower, is my best friend. And Dale made that, and it was his idea, and he's this mechanic... Uh, also slash a motivational speaker slash spiritual leader in my life. He's a genius. And he's like, um, you know, 
I think if there was a sign by the road, more people would know about your show. Right. So he makes this sandwich board comedy show tonight, my cell number, all with stencils that you would buy yes. and spray paint. But my it was wife an archaic sign. Of this sign <laughs> and says, look, I told you there was going to be work for you here. And that was the thing. And then you and, and came I to be, headline. Yeah, so you, the, you headline a bunch of those shows yeah, and hosted. And, 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 you know. and I mean, basically, my first paid work when I got here was from you. And it was that. And again, that was that was the first. And I didn't really know you other than the, the you know the shows that we did together in Sussex. I kind of felt like those were a one-off. Yeah, you hadn't moved here yet. No, right? no. So those, that was five years before we moved here. So basically, that was the first inkling that I thought it could be possible. I was like, this gangster is coming from London. He's and, gone again. Well, what yeah, a nice memory. And, I'll well, never see him again. Well, yeah. And, and again, we kind of forged this. We kind of forged a bond as you do with comedians at shows. And this is the wonderful thing about this job is the friendships you form because it is this utterly unique experience that you go through. It's yeah. amazing how you can do a gig with a comic and not see them for 10 or 15 years, but you've had that thing. It's, I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, being a... Uh, I, I don't, there's no example you can use it's, without it's such a someone. specific I, I don't experience it's like, I don't want to say it's a bit like being you know, like uh, in the army and going to but, but you know it's a very specific thing that you don't forget it, and it's a yeah. bond that is never broken Right. What and is that effect? I, I, I got to call it the Mullinger effect well, because I, I, everybody just keeps coming. Well, it, they want to see more. They can't get enough of you. It's like your uh, comedy crack in Atlanta, Canada. Well, I guess I'm constantly worried that people are going to go into rehab, Mullinger rehab. <laughs> and, uh... I actually um, am so excited about the show tonight and I don't want to... Um, I want, there's a million things I want to ask you, but first thing I want to tell you is I haven't performed for this many people in a long time, so thank you for this opportunity. Well, you belong in front of crowds <laughs> like this, man, and this is going to be fun. I mean, this is, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, for the most part, this, this kind of thing is still newish to me as well. And it is that thing where, you know, one day you're playing for 10 people, the next day it might be... 600 like it is tonight and, it, and it's just that constant kind of evolution and, and also just working out the different ways of playing to those crowds but um, it's going to be fun and this is the thing that I love so much about these, these kind of theatre gigs is everyone's kind of coming out they're fully invested in the show yeah, like they, they haven't come out and they haven't come out to get drunk. They haven't come out for any other reason other than like I run show. I run Chuckles Comedy Club with Julie Tower, and mm. our Wonderful our club. our concern is always, mm. um, hey, is the entertainment good? But also, uh, I think Table Three wants more wings. Right. So for us, it's like you know their attention is divided. But here at a theater show. It's this is the only thing that's happening in front of them. They are facing the stage. There's not even a table. Right. You that, know, they, they're here for two solid hours or whatever it is. And uh, the, I love theater crowds for that reason. And you take away the alcohol element. Yeah. Uh, people get uh, very distracted with alcohol. That's it. Yeah. And as you say, it's it's it, it, even if even if they're. Um even if they're not chasing another round round of shots, there's there's dozens of things in front of them. But in a theatre, again, even even phones are off limits here. Yeah, and it is that thing where, as you say, that they're just completely focused on the stage, and there's no it's reason beautiful. for us not to have fun. And it's a, it's a nice feeling when you're walking out, going right. You're basically removing other concerns. Yes, which is also an interesting metaphor for what I love so much about this job. And that is simply that, you know, like you, I wake up in the morning and there's a thousand thoughts going through my head, a thousand uh, worries, insecurities, concerns, also the thousand million and one things to do. We're both, we're both dads uh, it's, and there's just stuff to do. What I love about this job is it's one of the only jobs in the world where 
you know, before the show, there's all these different intricacies and things that you've got to worry about and details, and is the music going to play on time, et cetera, et cetera. Does the mic work, whatever it is. Right. But when you step out, it's one of the jobs in the world, other than possibly very heavy machinery, where you are totally focused on the job. Like if you've had an argument with your wife or girlfriend or you've got worried about something else, while you're out there on that stage, all of those thoughts and feelings are gone, which is, I think, you know, a fascinating thing. It's, it's why you know, people get addicted to things because they, they want to escape things. For us, we have this amazing escape where we go out there and... Everything else, every other concern is gone. And it's, then, it's kind of hard to shovel your driveway after that. It, it, it is, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the great thing is, for, for, for an hour, however long it is, you're not having to think about that. We do actually escape. Right, yeah, we, it's yeah. a complete uh, removal from, from reality. That's the one thing that, you know, like, I mean, I met you five years ago, and we were kind of, you know... Ten almost. Is it, was it that long? Yeah, so yeah. I moved here five years ago. It was, ten years ago, we did our first show together. My first ever show in New Brunswick. So... These shows uh, were very different from mm. the style of show you're doing now. And I used to see around the open mics. Mm. And now it sort of seems to me like if you do have new material, you'll actually book out a theater and call it like a new material night. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing with... Uh, oh, wonderful. Thank you. That Perfect. Is much appreciated. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Um, what I find fascinating with those new material shows is there are people who... Um, who only come to those because they say, oh, we much prefer to see you rough and ready and raw and, and you know, unplanned and, and all the rest of it. So it often, worries, it often worries me when I'm doing a new material show and then people come and they say, oh, it's, it's our first time seeing you. And I think, oh, my God, well, don't judge it on this because I'm going to be... <laughs> this is an you, you call it... Sometimes you call it, this might be this shit. This might be shit, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I have that on the poster, this might be shit. But people, people aren't, aren't registering everything... Right. If you're not in the business, you don't know. Which what is to... very different from the current tour you're on, almost Canadian, which is all of your prepared, crafted exactly, material. Yeah, and that's the thing. When someone says, "Oh, it's their first time seeing you," I always think, "Why couldn't you come to a prepared a, show?" A, a prepared show, but of course, it's not. I, I don't. I don't manage their diaries. Uh, I know how busy people <laughs> are. I mean, it's so, and it's nice of them to come out full stop. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so sometimes I do, I do drop-ins and stuff just and, and, and test material. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. A, it's a wonderful thing to be able to, yeah, kind of sell tickets on these new material things. And again, there are people who uh, prefer those nights because they're going to hear stuff that they'll, they'll, they'll probably never hear again. Right. And let's face it, a lot of the time it's funnier when the stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Especially if you are comfortably referencing that fact. And, and half the time I am out there, I mean, there's that great story about... Um, uh, like like Seinfeld is still you know three nights a week leaves leaves his presumably mansion and yeah. goes to a tiny club in uh, New York in New York and, and in a basement in basement to test jokes and he says <laughs> uh, had this line about how he had with he, people that wouldn't be, even be allowed in his gated community <laughs> he's still <laughs> hanging out with them yeah, yeah he'll perform for them they he'll just, stand they, out he, front he, of the comedy just, cellar just talking <laughs> shop yeah. talking about cotton balls they can't balls touch him but yeah. he can talk yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um. And it's, so, and it's it's funny because he says he doesn't he doesn't know if something's good until he tests it. And he'll write ten jokes in the afternoon. The five he thinks are great will bomb, and the five he thinks uh, are, are terrible do well. And and if you kind of think, well, if, if even Seinfeld doesn't know if something's good, what chance do the rest of us have? Yeah. And that is the fascinating thing Smart with, with new material. I yeah. mean, I mean, and, and I have bits which I've uh, tried. You know, there's bits that you try through four times and then you uh, discard them because you go, okay, that's not working. And I have other bits that I swear there is something in 
and I keep trying, yeah. but they're just not landing. But one day they were. So presumably, do you on these uh, these might this might be shit when your test mm. nights you call them? Um, are you taking your new bits and putting them in the middle and putting bits you know that work in the beginning and bits you know that work in the end? Do you sandwich like that, or is it wall to wall, brand new? You have no idea how it goes. It's a good question. I, I've I, I've done it both ways. What I try to do is all new, and and what generally the I'm not brave enough to do that. By the way, just as a side well, note, I, mean, I, mean, I open with something I know that works and close with something and right. new and, stuff in the middle. So you were and 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 that is what I've done. I, generally, if someone comes up to me and says, "You know, it's our first time seeing you," then I'm going to do five minutes of of newish. And I guess it's one of those things where it's like it's. And this is the other thing. Point of course is that nothing's ever really finished. No bit is ever is ever completely finished. But yeah, so I, what what I wouldn't necessarily is walk out and do a bit I've done a thousand times. I wouldn't come out and do like a homemade wine joke. But right. I might do something that's newish. But yes, then go into the into the stuff. Well, I'm literally in some cases I have an idea. I mean, I, I like I have that I did it at Chuggles last weekend and it, and it landed one night. The other two nights didn't. But I have the bit about my kids and all kids now watching YouTube videos of people unwrapping. Uh, people unwrapping toys, yes. watching computer games, uh, watching people other, other people playing computer games. Yes. Now I swear there's something in that. The problem is that most people with kids age three, four, five, six, seven, eight aren't filling those comedy shows. Right, they're busy. They're busy. They're busy having fucking horrible kids. Well, we have <laughs> we have regular customers that all of a sudden stop coming because they have a child, mm. and then we'll see them four or five years later. Yeah, uh, where the hell were you? And it's like, oh, uh, I had a kid, and Timmy, and that, yeah, Timmy ruined my life. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly it. And so, what was weird uh, again when this happened last weekend, and that these bits. Are, so I don't know if they're not funny or. If it's just that most of the crowd doesn't know what I'm talking about. Because this is the thing, is that nothing's funny if you have to explain it. So True. when I launched into the bit, and I remember this was uh, last Saturday at Chuggles, when I did, uh, I could see there was a lot of people our age, a lot of uh, women our age in the audience. So I thought they're going to, and, and I'm assuming they probably have kids around their age. And sure enough, 20 women found it hilarious. Yes. The other kind of 100 were were thrown by it. And this is part of the problem I have when I go back to England to do shows now. Because people say, oh, well, for example, I went back uh, in the last year to do a show promoting uh, New Brunswick to British journalists. And the New Brunswick tourism was to basically get them to write about New Brunswick. And everyone said, oh, you should do the homemade wine, but you should do the maritime directions, but you should do it. And I'm like, no, no, none of that will work because no one in England will believe homemade wine is a thing. And that joke doesn't work if you're having to explain that it's a thing. Right. And, 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 and explaining that people give directions here by saying things used to be there isn't... It's only... Like, comedy that can't be explained. It just has to... It, are, it's nuanced. It, yeah, it's nuanced. And it, there's and it, no black and white. And it's the laughter it's, of it's recognition. The, it's the grayest of all art forms. It's completely. You if know, you're you explaining can't, something. If I were dropped in the middle of London, mm. they'd eat me alive. Right. Um, and, and, I, I would and, have... I, I'm so used to performing in this side of the country... Mm. And I, and I think I could adapt, but I think it would probably take time. It, it, it does. It, so is it taking time for you to adapt back home? Yes, com, com, completely. And um, so that particular... Thank you for being honest. You could have just said, no, I'm fucking killing every yeah, night. No, no, I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I, I had an absolute disaster of a, of a, of a show. Um, so that, that New Brunswick show went very well. That, was, that show was, uh, it was people coming. They knew what they were coming to. They were coming to a presentation on New Brunswick. I, right. I had a slideshow. Uh, the video actually we're playing tonight was for that. And I'm talking about... So I, I, I mean, to be honest, I worked my 
arse off on the script to make it um, just right. Because again, there were certain things. I mean, like for example, talking about Moncton and saying, "Look, you know, there's a there's a theme park. There's this there's a, one of the best waterside parks in Canada, and the best thing is you don't have to watch your kids because there's a vineyard right up above, and you can just sit there and drink wine. If you get bored of that, you can go and place a bet at the casino, and then there's pictures <laughs> popping up of those things. Right? That's that 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 works. Right. But none of none of my material would work. But while I was on that trip, I did a theatre show in my hometown. Um, which uh, uh, I was ill prepared for and did not go well at all, and um, and part of it was it, I mean it's all my fault, and I, I I'm one of those performers that always never blames the audience. It's all it's always my fault, um, and part of it. So now when I'm actually going also back you into, are not used to not killing, like you kill a lot because you're very good at what you do, but also you're very beloved, and this is something I wanted to touch on, and I, I we'll get back to what you were saying. Mm. I, I just want while I could mm. think of it, yeah. Um, you know, I had people coming because, you know, I don't know if the listeners know, I run Chuckles Comedy Club and you uh, decided to do a show there, which was great. Filled the club up twice. We had to add a show on the Sunday. Um, so the only other comedian we've had that much demand for was Nikki Payne. Right. Um, so you're beloved in, in the Atlantic Canada region. And I assume as you're touring and branching out, people are getting to know you in Ottawa and 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 other places a bit but 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 i i and yeah, but i still it's a different approach walking out on those stages but, because as you say i walk out on stage here yeah and i'm lucky enough that there's already they know my story i don't have to explain anything and 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 for the most part i think feel like i'm lucky enough to say that they already like me well they um, they but, do they and, know, and that's what i'm talking about beloved because i saw a guy walking out of chuckles comedy club not this time, but the la the first time mm. that you headlined yeah. that, that club, and I, I believe it might have been August. Oh, last yeah. August. yeah, it was August. Yeah. So, <laughs> a guy's walking out, and his wife is ahead of him. She leaves, and he just stops in the lobby, and and I'm standing in the lobby, and he looks at me, and he goes, "I've I've already seen this many times. I don't know why I keep coming back. <laughs> I just love him so much." And then he he said, "I love him so much," and then he left the lobby. Like, he was bewildered at the fact that he went to your show so many times. Right. Right. What and is that effect? i I, I got to call it the Mullinger effect well, because I, I, everybody I, just keeps coming. Well, it, they want to see more. They can't get enough of you. It's like your uh, comedy crack in Atlantic Canada. Well, I guess I'm constantly worried that people are going to go into rehab Mullinger. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, so, I mean, I, I, I live in... I do, I do constantly... Part of... Uh, so, I guess there's a few facts to that question, but part of... Part of what I'm very careful about doing is not overdoing things, and because oversaturating. Yeah, so you don't yourself, want to get yep. sick of you. But you're right. I mean, there are those people like Mark Stanley, a wonderful, wonderful man, and has become a very good friend. He was at Chuckles that weekend. He saw me at the Playhouse um, uh, in in February doing this same show tonight, and he saw me on a few warm up shows, and he's actually coming tonight. And now, Amazing. I do always try and mix up shows as much as possible. Last week at Chelsea, I think I was opening with like 20 or 25 minutes of pretty much mostly new stuff. So I'm constantly trying to mix it so that no two shows are word for word the same. But yes, for the most part, if you're coming to see me twice in a month or three times in a, in a couple of months, chances are most of it's going to be the same. Um, so I guess the answer... But to, every comedian is, is that way. Yeah, so everyone's true. true. But, but I guess that's, that's the weird thing is when you are working in quite a, a, a small geographical area yeah. and, you, and you want to keep doing that. And I, and I like... And of course I like traveling to other parts of Canada, but I also like being at home. Um, it is that thing of trying to... So what is... 
what is fascinating with this as an art form, and again, I don't think I'm being this sort of telling this telling this story because um, he's talked about it on a podcast. When shortly before I, I came here, I did a, sh- a, a big show in London with, with Russell Peters, where it was a charity uh, gig that I'd organised, and it was back to back big name British comics, and I was hosting it. To cut a long story short. Russell Peters, of course, is one of the biggest communities in the world. Very used to walking out on stage in front of 20,000 people, absolutely adore him. Yeah, wouldn't you know, even change his pulse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he, he's just used to... There's uh, levels, right? There's me looking up at you. There's you looking up at Russell. And it's like... And, and, yeah, and he's rarely walking out in front of a guy yeah. who doesn't know who he is. Like, this is tonight is your... I'll give you an example. Tonight is your normal, walking out, you know, 800-seat theater. That's your normal now at this point. For Russell, that's 20,000. For me, it's a few hundred. So every comedian has levels and things that they're used to. Right, right. right. So and, and I guess Russell is used to... So Russell's used to that, and he's also used to everyone in that crowd, regardless of the number. Even if he's doing a club in L.A. for 500, he's used to everyone in that room um, knowing him as soon as he walks out. Now, yeah. of course, the job's never... The job's never the job never becomes easy. I mean, as I mean, Seinfeld again to quote him again. There's that great story he tells in that in the movie Comedian where he talks about he's like Jack Nicholson. Everyone loves Jack Nicholson. You put Jack Nicholson on a comedy stage, they'll whoop and cheer for, for a minute. You've got a minute's grace, he said, but they're not laughing after a minute. They'll boo him off. Like yeah. it's a very pure art form in that way. Like you can't trick the crowd. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it, tonight, you've given me this opportunity, but if I don't make them laugh in the first minute. The, the, yeah, well, the, yeah, and, the, and it could go the other way. Yeah, and, and it, that's it, the way it is. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it, it's that thing, and the same goes for me tonight. Like, You've given me every chance like, I, ha- you know, to like, do well. Like, yeah, and, and but if I don't, if I'm not funny, that's it. That's the, it. There's yeah. There's yeah. no um. There's no. It, it never becomes easy. No. But um, there's definitely different ways of walking out on the stage. So, a perfect example is, so Russell Peters came. He was on last at this gig. It's quite long story short. It, it didn't go. It didn't go well. He's talked about this um, on a podcast, so I'm not, I'm not being disloyal to another comedian. Um, the, what went wrong was this, and this, this is his words, and I kind of thought this at the time. But basically, uh, he walked out in front of this crowd of four thousand people, um, assuming, like we all did, that they were all Russell Peters fans. As it transpired, they actually didn't know who he was. I mean, it was, uh, and again, he's uh, he's a superstar the world over. But what he does when he goes to England is. He has been very shrewd business sense and savvy with his marketing. And he has this database of, 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 of huge fans all over the world. He come to England, set out a 20,000 seater arena by mailing out, you know, sends a newsletter out, all his fans go. Um, but he's not a household name like he is here. So this crowd were there for, his other, for, the, for the show as a whole. He came out and, and didn't do the thing that we all have to do in clubs when we're playing to strangers, which is walk out and win them over. He kind of came out with a bit of a now um, and and started banter, which would probably have done extremely well in any one of his shows. So that's that's the difference. If I if I walk out on Harbour Station, everyone in there will have some familiarity with me. Absolutely. So I can walk out with a bit of arms in the air, you know, rampaging on the stage, a bit of razzmatazz. If I go out on stage at Yuck Yuck's Mississauga, I can't do that because they're not there to see James Wellinger. They're there to see... They're there to laugh. They're there for Yuck Yuck's Mississauga. Who's the headliner? Don't know. It's, all, it's always a good show here, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you walk out there, it's a different... It's a different uh, approach. And, it's, and it all comes down to that, that body language thing. I think we've talked about this before where... Um, when I was, this must be about eight years ago, eight, eight nine years ago, I got my first uh, paid weekends at one of the biggest club chains in England. So I'd done numerous open spots for them, like 10 minute sets, and then got, got bumped up to doing a paid weekend, uh, 20 minute set. Long story short, nervous as hell. 
uh, went out on this Friday night. Because you're proving yourself. Well, yeah, you're proving yourself. Yeah, exactly. So it's my you're, first you're, time. You're so, going from who are you to yes, I, I can do this job. I can do yeah, and and it, and it and it would lead to more work. And also the other thing is this club was known as the best club in the country. It was kind of designed by comedians. It's uh, 400 people packed. And where is this? Uh, it's the Glee Club in Birmingham. Birmingham. Called, yeah, and um. Basically, they refurbed and got the likes of Phil Nickel and Craig Campbell, those guys, to basically tell them how the club should be designed. Wow. So it's the perfect club. So you can't, you can't bomb there and blame the room. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's all there for you. So yeah. I went out on the Friday, nervous as hell, um, had, a, had a barnstorming gig. I had a gig that was like better than I actually was. Like those kind of nights. Right. I got a 20-minute set, um, all planned out. I knew it was 20. I get halfway through it, and I realize I'm already over my time. And I'm like, well, i got to go. And I was on a high all day Saturday, come back to the same club, same lineup, same MC, same intro, same, uh, sold out again. Um, I'm on in the middle, uh, introduces me, I go out and crash and burn, do my full 20-minute set, realize it's short because of the laughs, so then do a few more bits to pad it out, come off stage, the MC goes, what are you doing? You've only been up there 14 minutes. And that was how different the laughter was. First night, I only get through half my set, Second time I get to all of it, and, and, and that's laughter and banter and fun. Now, I obviously then, I mean, I, I actually still have the diary entry that I wrote that night after the first night when I got back to the hotel, and I remember writing down there, I'm like, I, this is the first time in my career I actually felt like I could one day play an arena, I could one day do this job. Yeah. And, um, and then the Saturday night, you feel like, oh my God, that was just a, uh, it, it was all just a, a fluke. I'm actually, I'm shit. This is terrible. Now, what I know went wrong was this. It's, it's, there was, it was those first few seconds. On the Friday night, I walked out there knowing what I was doing, but I had the right balance of, of vulnerability and nerves, but confidence and all this. And however I pulled... Now, the audience aren't consciously thinking this, but it's a subconscious thing. You only meet someone and you just don't like them. You don't know why. Or you immediately really like them and you don't know why. You can't put your finger on it. It's just a body language thing. So the first night I walk out, they just... Uh, whatever I did, however I pulled the mic out, however I said hello, they all went, oh, we like this guy. And then I think on the Saturday, because I'd spent all day walking around thinking I was Billy Big Bollocks, um, <laughs> I, 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 I probably walked out there with a bit of a swagger. Isn't that your agent's name? Billy, <laughs> yeah, Billy Big Bollocks. Billy Big Bollocks. Big Bollocks yeah. and, um, and pulled my mic out and, po- and basically probably conveyed some arrogance. Right. And, um, and they went, no, we don't like this guy. Just, yeah, it was, don't like him. Went, Fuck this so, guy. Yeah. So word for word, the jokes were the same, but clearly... It, Something about the delivery. In the, so to go back to your uh, point about the being, walking out on stage and people like you, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's a huge blessing. It's something nicer than going out there and obviously knowing that they're, but, but suddenly the goalposts move and the pressure changes where for this show and the Fredericton Playhouse show, the Fredericton Playhouse show sold out like weeks before, which is one of those just dreams that you just never think is going to happen. Right. And, but I was terrified about so nervous about that gig like like back like back 15 years he said years. that to me and yeah. I, and i and that was puzzling and i wanted to wait until now to find out so i'm very right. excited to hear this and, and i think a part of it is it, the, the the pressure changes for different reasons mm-hmm. so suddenly it's like oh my god there's angel people coming who think they like me uh i i you know obviously we all hate ourselves oh so, yeah. yeah so, so oh, it, i can't even look at yeah, myself in the mirror dude. before i came here i was like oh fuck who's this guy there's a reason there's no mirrors in the room that yeah. we're, <laughs> no mirrors we in the green room looking at the room but, but you, you know a so, couple of things you said were interesting when you said like um one night you're riding high mm. the next night you, you wanted to jump off the building mm. and it's very uh manic 
art form, isn't it? It's very uh, joyous and, and euphoric. Yeah. And then the next day, you can have a wet blanket of sorrow. Yeah. So, and not just sad, not normal sad, but like, what am I doing with my life? Yes. Reflection. Uh, because because your material and your delivery and your experience, like you said, you can escape when you're on the stage. Yes. It's very much a reflection of how you feel inside. Totally. Well, it's, it, it's, like a, it's like a drug. And then the next day is like, hey, come down. I mean, there's a comedian called Sarah Millican who has a wonderful uh, th theory, which is, uh, she says, she has a rule that you can't bask in the glow of a great gig past lunchtime, past noon the next day. That's right. And you can't worry about a shit gig past noon. Like, I have now, this gig tonight, mm. and then tomorrow night I'm hosting a charity show. Mm. Tomorrow night, I can't be riding off the high of tonight. No, or, you, or, or I can't be... Uh, depressed that I didn't do well. well you've it, got to be. You've got to focus on reset that at lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. It has yeah. to be a when you have reset. your BLT. Yeah, you just reset. And the thing is, right? things where like I mean, grilled cheese and tomato soup, yeah. and then feel yeah. immediately better, <laughs> or worse, exactly or whatever. It. That's exactly it. And the yeah. thing, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the gig in England didn't go well. I was angry at myself because I wasn't. Uh, it, it was extremely arrogant of me to think that I could go back and go straight into a theatre show. Bring it, bring it back, that old beat rock rap. Bring it, bring it back, that bring it, bring it back, that bring it, bring it back, that old beat rock rap. Bring it back, that old beat rock rap. Bring it, bring it back, that bring it, bring it back, that bring it, bring it back, that old beat rock. When I was thinking about doing this podcast with you, and I wanted to ask you questions that not only did my listeners not think I would ask you these questions, yeah. I wanted. Yeah them to know who you are without filling in the blanks because you know as your success grew uh you know our distance grew right and so i started filling in the blanks you know when, when you were uh headlining the you know you put on the imperial theater shows and you sold them out and you you uh put on the harbor station shows and you sold them out there was part of me that went man why didn't james ask me to open Right. You know, and now tonight you've asked me to open big theater show in Moncton. And I guess my question is, why now? Versus then, why now? Yeah. Is it is it just a matter I, of... I, 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 it's an excellent question. Um, I would say, uh, and again, not asking... It wasn't I wasn't asking you back then. It was that I asked someone else. That, that, that's what it was. And essentially... So all, I filled in the blanks. See see how yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, psyche but, but, goes? But I, I, I'm the exact same way. I'm I'm thinking, you know something great happens and I'm like why isn't anyone talking about this why is everyone talking about this and they're not so much right. and I'm thinking oh they hate me fuck fuck them and, 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 these are and I'm thinking that yeah and, and yeah. again and, and no one wants to be that way but we are all that way and of course and I have the exact same thing when I see someone else doing a thing I'm like why wasn't I asked yeah. we, we all get that but the honest answer is for those particular shows it was just who who did I feel was right for that show and, yeah. and, and, for, and this was simply, who is, and this is, who is going to come out here and rip the roof off tonight? You. So that's why, that's why we're here. Yeah. That's why we're here. And, yeah. and, and, and why now and not then? I can't answer that question other than that time I thought, right, who would be good for this crowd? I think this person. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. That's and, it. And that's yeah. as simple as that. And, and, so, so, and so anytime anyone's in a position, um, uh, it's because they deserve to be there. Anytime they're not in a position, it's not because they're not in the position. It's just that someone else is doing it. You know, right? And 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 um, because mean, there's a lot of people. Yeah, because there's a lot of people, and yeah. um, and and that's really 
all it boils down to, or it's like, yeah, or who have you spending a lot of time with that week, and or who have you been doing lots of gigs mm. with recently? It's been working well, but um, but for me, how I book only acts is who's going to do the best job. Like, like, like I, I want people to come out and, and kill it, and, yeah. and what I want, uh, which is what and like everyone happens, that you pick well, was great, right? But I want, and be, I was at some of those shows, well, well, it's like nice, they but, were, they were, you know, they did a great job. But when the the, only but, thing, I want to be, I want to be backstage or by by the stage, yeah, worried about following. The, I want I want the person out there to be doing so well that I'm nervous about it like that. So, but but the other thing is, I mean, part of it's interesting when we talk about the because the the success thing is, it's very concentrated. Let's not forget, right? Like it's like you know, like yes, I mean, I, I it's perceived. I, yes, it's perceived. I feel yeah. My job, my dream was to be a stand-up comedian and to feed the kids doing stand-up. That was and you are doing, and, and, and that's so the dream has been accomplished, but. I'm not under any illusions, and I don't, and I don't think anyone else should be. That I'm not, I'm not. No one knows who I am outside of. I mean, it's 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 an hour long radius, and even in St John, I mean, it's not like everybody's me or everyone. You know, it's it's. I'm known. I'm, I kind of like it to, to, I guess, being like being like a, it's almost like I guess it's it's small town mayor fame. Like yeah. a, like a small town mayor is known within his city. No one's heard of It's it's, it's locally famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So local, but I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to go ahead and argue with you because when you uh, got more numbers inside of the Harbor Station, which is our arena here. And I don't know how many seats at nine thousand, maybe five thousand. But, um, but okay, so I think it's actually closer to six. Uh, yeah, but I only, so say five thousand. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've got five thousand people, not once but twice. Uh, uh, CBC films a documentary, City on Fire. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie based on your life. All of these things happen. With uh, you, you silence the naysayers by proving what you, you what could be done that anything is possible. You coined that phrase and made it very popular <laughs> in this. And this is a very this is before you. It's a very negative place to live. Right. People were like downtrodden. Uh, you know, much like my original psyche, which was, oh, well, why not me? Right. You know, that was St. John's Attitude. And it yeah. makes sense that um, that I felt that mm. way being from here. But you kind of made a splash that was heard around the world. Uh, Q, CBC, I listened to that interview. I mean, that's a national platform. You're you're talking to somebody at Toronto Studio. They're, they're putting it out all over the country. I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to say, yes, maybe, it, maybe the uh, success is um, somewhat concentrated, but it is it you are becoming well no less localized i mean it's it, it's going well i guess if being a canadian comedian full stop you're automatically the underdog exactly sorry hi hey. sorry to interrupt. it's okay no problem have you had a chance to speak with natalie the manager? no i don't think so and like i said i wanted to be very bold and blunt and do the style of interview i wanted to do the style of interview that people uh, wouldn't think that I would ask you this, and people wouldn't think that you would answer it. And here's another question like that. You've sold out Harbor Station twice. You've sold out the Imperial Theater two, three, multiple times. Um, like you've had a documentary um, that was filmed uh, about selling out Harbor Station called City on Fire. Uh, you know, coined the phrase, anything is possible, in a place that felt they were a have-not province and have-not people with have-not attitudes. You've turned all that around. Uh, you know, the, the province of New Brunswick sends you places to talk about how great we are. Uh, you know, you're commanding uh, sold-out crowds. Uh, I mean, we've only ever had to uh, sell extra shows at Chuckles one other occasion, and that was Nikki Payne. Uh, you've been interviewed um, on the national stage with uh, CBC's enough, Q. Enough, enough. <laughs> well, well, but this is... But all of these things, I mean, 
even if you were the most pessimistic person in the world, mm. you'd have to admit you were a success. What do you, what do you credit all your success to? Um, I, I would definitely. I, I mean, it, it's definitely the 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 pushing and the chasing. I don't know if if this was one of the things that um that I, that was recorded earlier or not, but the thing of um waking up every day and treating this like a job, which it is. And uh, pushing and chasing the stuff the whole time. Like, none of those things that you mentioned, none of them were someone phoning me saying, do you want to do this? Yeah. It was all... Nobody s- phoned you and said, do you want to uh, do Harbor Station? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, n- n- yeah like, like, literally, like... And I would say almost, I mean, nothing... I mean, even even playing Chuggles last weekend, that was me bugging you guys, saying, I want to come back, I want to come back sooner. Like, you guys said once a year, and I said, I, I respect that, but any chance I can come back sooner? Like, I am yeah. constantly... Uh, uh, Creating opportunities. Creating opportunities yeah. and, and chasing things. And, and a perfect example is, I mean, like someone walks up to me after the show and says, um, oh, we'd love to have you at a corporate event. There's no way I'm letting that person leave without me taking their email and business card. And they will get an email from me. And you morning. will be following up. And the, you're uh, getting up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And you're okay. doing uh, some work. Yeah, exactly. Before yeah. The, yeah, first thing tomorrow morning, I'll be sending emails. I'll be following up with things. writing. Some, You'll be, be buying some Paw, Paw Patrol tickets. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I won't just be writing Keeping the, the kids person happy. to yep. say, um, oh, you said last night you want to book me. What about it? I'll be writing... Uh, I mean, with some copying and pasting from old emails, but essentially an 800-word pitch as to why I'd be perfect for their conference. Five years ago, I may or may not have considered us peers. At this point, you're doing a different thing. Well, like you got to understand. I think of, I completely think of us as peers. In in the in the this this, this is this is this is the game. And there's ups and downs. And one night we're playing. And another thing is, I mean, I've seen you kill it like no one like no one can kill it. And this is the weird thing about this business is that is that. We all want to be. We all want to be recognised for things, and there are things that there are nights where, you know, someone comes to see you, and uh, people come to see you, and you have a. And, and for me, I have, I have a terrible gig, and I'm like, that person now just thinks I'm terrible, and you're mortified about it. And other times, you're like, you know, and we, we all want recognition. We all think, for example, you know, we open up the newspaper and we see there's a story about someone found their cat, and you're like. But last week I did this. Why? Why? Why was that completely ignored? Just to fill uh, listeners in, we just finished. We finished the show. Yeah. Um, the Capitol Theater. Cap- it was like five hundred people in there. Yeah, it might. It, it might have ended up being more because the, the place holds eight hundred, and I was worried when it was on like four hundred a week, it might look half empty. But of course, the whole bottom was full, and the up top was mostly full as well. So they could have ended up being five to six, but. It, there was a lot of people. Yeah, and that, it, was a, that was the most people I performed to in, in a decade, right. for sure. And um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know it because you just aced it. And the amazing thing for me, seeing you when you walked out there, because both of us wouldn't know it was his help because we care. And yeah, yeah, we that's care. Where, yeah. Um, where I care. Come from. You care. And um, and what I loved was when you went out, you were you were shame rather than because a mistake we all make sometimes is when we go out there. And we're nervous. We end up putting on more of a performance. Yes. And, and you, oh, okay. I and, see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And yeah. you can, and audiences can smell that. And part of the trick of stand-up is, of course, it is a performance, but you're trying to pretend it's just you're just chatting with them in the pub. Well, I had Which seen in the. It was just. It was. It was as if you just. Uh, it, it, we were improvising, and you had them from the second you went out there. It was amazing. Well, it was crazy because uh, in the uh, introduction, um, I knew that I had to address the fact that they were all there to see you. Right. And then when I slid into the bit about your kids and how I've met them and how British kids are creepy, yes. and that got a big laugh. It was related to you. Yes. Now that now I've kind of established, okay, 
I'm just the warm-up guy. Here I am. Let's have fun. You know, and then it sort of the relationship grew from there, and I felt really connected to them. And it was a very clever thing to do because you know what? A mistake. Part of why when I was saying like go out there and, and just and just kill it, a mistake that some people have made when opening for me is assuming, and we were kind of touching this this idea that you know um, everyone knows what you do just because we're aware of it because we're we're, we're, on, we're, we're on Facebook. You see blah 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 blah. blah. Um, I've had people go out and make doing in doing impressions of me or make jokes about things I've said, and the reality is, eighty percent of them have, hadn't seen me before. Uh, most wouldn't know anything. So someone goes out and says, "Oh, you know, you might have seen James where something used to be." They don't know that joke. Not it's, yet. We, yeah, yeah, we, maybe. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. And a percentage and, of them yeah, might, but not all of them. Yeah. So, but yeah. the things that they, they do know, they do know they're seeing someone British. Yeah. So by touching upon a personal thing like. The, my British kids yeah. was a really smart way of doing it. It really was, smart. It, and, it, and it gave me a, a wonderful um, callback later on because I always do that thing when I say that my kids have got, you know, got these stupid British accents. But me being able to say midway through the show, uh, you know, it's James right that British kids do have creepy voices. It gave me, <laughs> I was getting double laughs from impersonating the kids and then making it, exaggerating it. And again, something better than when you're on a stage. Yeah. But that many people and you start improvising. And the great thing is we kind of synced up with that same kind of energy, which was nice. And um, I just felt that, like, your your fans are incredible. They were so gracious. And, um, you know, there were there were moments when I stumbled. I was trying to remember my bits. And they, they were I had their attention the whole time. And they were such a great audience. And, and I think that's the difference, right? And, again, I had the same thing where there's moments where you're stopping and you're kind of pausing and you're, you're flicking through the Rolodex in your head of what you're going to do next. Right. And um, it is that thing where not that, not that in clubs you necessarily get eaten alive. I mean, in England you do. In England, you, it's that thing where you can't pause for a second. Um, yeah, because they won't let up. Yeah. Uh, I heard Joe Rogan talk about this with Boston crowds. Right. They just won't let up, and I assume that London is the same it, kind it's, of... Exactly the same. I mean, don't, like, don't bullshit me, I'm here to laugh. Yes, and you can't... I mean, yeah. I mean, actually, my first... Five years ago this week, when I moved here, and then my first or second night here, auditioning for Breslin went out on stage and ran onto the stage and was like, ah, talk too quickly, which again was something I had to be aware of, like I am now, where people don't always understand what I'm saying if I talk too quickly, which is why I talk a bit slow on stage now. And when I came off stage, basically said, A, you're talking too fast, people weren't understanding what you were saying, but B, you don't need to do that here. He said, I know why you do that in England. It's because if you don't get them laughing within five seconds, they boo you off. He was like, in Canada, you've got time. <laughs> so, like, take your we really are a nice audience yeah. in like, Canada. You can walk, like, in theory, you especially can, in New Brunswick. Especially in New Brunswick. But you can walk out here and you could start a bit in New Brunswick that doesn't have a punchline for two minutes, in theory. Yeah. And, I mean, it better be fucking good at the end of the two minutes. But you can do that. You've got that grace period. But, but there's no, there's no doubt that when I walked on stage in England, I had no uh, anger. It's like if people go, "Oh, great, here's another white male heterosexual uh, guy," I bet he's got interesting shit to say. Like, no one gives a fuck. So I come here, and yes, of course, I'm going to talk about noticing differences because that's what comedians do. But, um, but yeah, I think the thing that often gets, gets forgotten is that I, I, I didn't come in here as as a known entity. Everything was built up from just doing gigs and it's and it's all it was organic there was no there was no favors pulled there's no i have no high level connections it was simply 
went out and did gigs, made people like it, followed the Russell Peters approach, keep their emails, keep in touch with them. I mean, same thing you've done with promoting uh, all your clubs over the years, but now you just do it about yourself. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that's one of the things that... Um, you really put in the work. Well, I mean, and I, I, you basically just have to here. Like, like you know, you, there are there are people that have been kind of to give me opportunities here, of course, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all of those things. But but almost everything has been chased and and made happen, and and that would be my advice to anyone. Is it's like you know you you, you want to do you want to do more gigs? Ask. I mean, this yeah. is the weird thing. I mean, I mean, most almost everyone that has ever. Uh, done a show with me is because they've asked. Almost anyone that's written for the magazine or taken pictures of the magazine is because they've asked. Uh, the one thing that everyone who hasn't has got in common is they haven't asked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's yeah. and that, and that's that really is, great to hear because... It, it uh, everything. Like, like, no, like no, no one's phone rings. The, the debaters don't ring you. The, 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 the um, CBC doesn't ring you. you know, in other parts of the world, that might happen. In LA, you might build yourself up to a point where the phone's ringing off the hook. Right. And good for those people but it's not it doesn't work like that here yeah well it's very inspiring to hear you say that i mean a lot of the things i i agree with and i certainly think of but i never follow through you know and i think i'm going to start after talking to you i think really i'm going to make my mind up to start following through with things yeah i mean and, i mean a perfect example for you and again i mean i'm obviously very careful like one of the one of the unfortunate side effects of the kind of like anything is possible thing which is one of the things that almost didn't come back to haunt me as such, but it's like I'm not. I'm not suggesting. I've had a lot of lucky breaks. So, so, so what I'm what I'm not saying is, you know, I've worked hard and that's why it's happened. And and if it hasn't happened for someone else, it's because they haven't worked. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, I've had, I've been lucky as well. But how have I made those things happen? By and there was many many years where I mean, this these things that I'm doing now, all the chasing every day. I've been doing that for 15 years. And for years, it did nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean, again, even when I started, it would be like you'd send out 100 emails asking for open spots and you'd get one from that 100. And then the next week, it's in 200 and you might get two. It was always like that. But really, like, really odd that I, I did the same thing to sell comedy tickets. Right. But I didn't do that. I didn't invest in myself in yourself. that way. And that's the thing we should be doing. Look, you just killed it tonight in front of 500 to 600 people. You know you've got the chops. And you also know that if you... Um, you know, had a show where edited together and put together a one-page PDF outlining your credits, what you do, that you can tailor your show for any audience. Here, here's, here's a fee structure. And you were contacting businesses. You know, you might have to contact 100 to get one, but that one gig might be a month's salary. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take your advice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and, it, and it's, it, it's strange that I would have to go this far, but, you know, I've always been a slow learner. So for me... Um, I've always taken the hardest way possible. And it, it hasn't been to build character. Fuck character. I don't care. You know, I, that'd be a really romantic thing to say. It's it's because I wanted to earn it or build a solid foundation. No, it's pure stupidity. It's it's pure uh, fear of the unknown, pure hesitation. Part of it is you have to earn it first in that, like, I mean, I was chasing and grinding to get these stage time to, 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 to get good at this. But for many years, I was chasing things that I was not ready for. Right. You know, yes. And um. And and but but the thing is, is you've got the chops. Like I wouldn't be saying to someone, you should be doing this, if uh, if they were still learning the craft. I mean, you you knew the craft, and you also you also were were great at this job, uh, way before I even knew what I was doing. So right. you know, it's like it, people just need to know. But, but you had and, that. And, and, and no one's drive. gonna t- no one's gonna tell them 
for you. You've got to tell them. Exactly. You know, and these are things that I didn't know before I had this opportunity to talk to you today. Well, another perfect example is, you know, like Julie, say, Julie saying to me about, um, you know, wanting to get, uh, you know, that Chuckles obviously deserves to get more press than it was getting. And I said, yes, obviously it does. I said, have you approached Huddle? And, uh, and she said, no, I no. haven't. I said, uh, do it. And then uh, an hour later, I get an email from Huddle saying, can we interview you about Chuckles? you got to ask. No, you know what I mean? That, that's yeah. really what it boils down to. Recording part three now. Part three, yeah, James. So we, part three so after the show, pre-show, after show. Now we're back at hotel. After, after show, yeah, yeah. Back at the hotel, back in the comforts. Uh, you have to hit the road though, yeah. Because <laughs> yesterday, Paw Patrol sold out, Patrol and I think it's. Out. I think this is worth mentioning that James is a great dad because <laughs> he is foregoing a night of partying in Moncton. <laughs> wifeless partying in Moncton, kidless partying in Moncton, to go back tonight early, get a good night, sober sleep, wake up early, and buy tickets to Paw Patrol, and not, you know, you're a good guy. You You got to. What are you going to do? He was crying. He was crying when it was <laughs> Oh, he tricked you. Yeah, yeah. A five-year-old crying in the middle of the cinema, and saying, this thing's for tomorrow. You can't have that. But also, it's that thing where... um, Part of me doesn't, um, part of me looks, part of me quite likes opportunities to not, like, I, if I'm staying at somewhere, if I'm staying yeah. over somewhere, there's no way I'm not drinking afterwards. And you can't not after a show like that. Right, right. right. And um, so I, I, I as, as we're getting older, um, it's almost, before when you're younger, you're looking for opportunities to party. Right. Now you're looking for opportunities to not party. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. I was so pumped that you didn't want to party because I was like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> I, I am not, my liver will thank me. Yeah. I am not going to wake up with a headache. I know, you know it's yeah. funny, like, when, when I first started doing this thing of, like, not drinking before gigs, and I would turn up and say to people, yeah, just so you know, guys, I'm not drinking. I thought people would go, what? And instead they're like, yeah. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Only because we're 40, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And it's, um, that's a good thing, and it's nice. What's also nice is when you have a night like tonight, and we and for us to basically both wake up tomorrow morning, uh, just clear headed, going, we we did the we did the, we did the job, and we we uh, you know we went out there. Both of us were nervous, and it could not have gone better. Ne- Neil and I sat on the couch in the green room, watched your entire set. It was weird because it was like you were you were right there on the stage uh, about 20 feet from us physically mm. but on in the TV in the magic moving pictures box mm. it looked like you were kind of in a movie and we were sitting there <laughs> I was I thought I was going to hold hands with Neil Mundo like I was like where are we we getting some popcorn like I felt like I was on a date with Neil Mundo watching your show but yeah, yeah. another banger coming your way but <laughs> it's yeah the the kisses are scruffy but, yeah but um but it was great to see and I, I and all the connection you made with the audience I love the part about the abandoned mall with zombies and like uh, all of the things you said um, connected and landed and and you got s- several applause breaks your your crowd clearly loves you well I mean I mean part and part of what you would have seen and you're funny tonight, well that's very kind but, but I mean part of these things like is when you know environment like that when the crowd are that electric is most of those bits, if not all of them, you've seen me do a hundred times, but they all end up evolving when a crowd is being that electric because it gives you the freedom. And, and it's a cliche when performers talk about the collaboration between the audience and the performer. But it is so true because when the audience is that, you have the confidence to go off on tangents. And there were things that I talked about that 
uh, I hadn't done on stage before. Um, but I just felt comfortable because it's like, we're on board. I can say, I can try this bit. I mean, but I, I think I did something about no, the Avenir Centre. And I'm like, yeah, I, like in some, I, mean, I, I hadn't planned that. In some places an arena will open and everyone, and all everyone does is go, well, I'm at the fucking parking, right? Now, yeah. they all went wild. I didn't know if that was going to get anything, but I felt comfortable to do it because they were giving things. Same with me with the tidal bore. Right. Here is the mud river that, that flows in and out of Moncton. No. It's very unimpressive. Yeah. <laughs> they know it's unimpressive. And I let on like I was waiting for it today and yeah, it was frozen over. And, 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 it, and it was genius because it's a risk snagging up. A oh, thing in, 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 I had in, no in, idea if they would respond. Mm. Some of what you said to me resonates. Mm. Believe it or not, I've been paying attention to you oh. <laughs> over the last five years when you've been uh, just skyrocketing with all of these uh, opportunities that you've worked hard at and created yourself. And like I say, I can't, I don't, if people don't understand who are listening what you were able to do in in the last five years, uh, you were able to have a bigger attendance than Jerry Seinfeld at a local arena. That really says something amazing about what you've been able to accomplish. Yes, you've been on the phone. Yes, you've been pushing tickets. Yes, you've been uh, self-promotion guru. Um, but you're working hard. You get up early. Right. You have not just uh, your own stand-up, you, you're a co-editor-in-chief of Maritime Edit and your father of two beautiful boys and a husband and a beautiful wife. You've got a life, a very, very full life. And like you say, you're on the phone all day. You wake up. You, you're working very hard. You're the hardest working comedian that I know. Well, I mean, I mean and, uh, uh, that was his was, I mean, the second show, it was, it was on sale for a year. So it was a year of, you know, every day, there would be a couple of hours of something of pushing. And again, I mean, Seinfeld's um, um, publicist, who I'm, who I'm friends with from GQ days, did say to me, like, so how'd you do it? And I was like, well, put it this way. I said, did you have Seinfeld on the ground in St. John for a year handing out flies every time he went to the play park with his kid? No. So there you go. You can't put a... And, 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 um, and part of it is, of course, um, the, the loyalty of, of, of St. John's or the rest of it. But yeah, it was basically just... Going out and grafting, and I think a mistake that a lot of people make uh, in in all businesses is thinking that it's small where we are. And yes, it is smaller. However, there is hundreds of thousands of people in the Greater Saint John area, so people often make out like it's tiny. Like, like for example, people say to me, "Oh, everyone must have seen you." I mean, Chuckles last weekend, half the crowd, all three nights, had never seen me before, and and that was a beautiful culmination of our regulars mm. who maybe had not seen one of your shows right. and your following, yeah. which had never, would they had never been to chuckles. Right. So it was a wonderful mix. Yeah. when you came, I think it was a win-win for both of us because yeah. people were saying, Oh, chuckles is a place that we can go. Right. But simultaneously they were like, Oh, James is fantastic. I I've always wanted to see him. Right. And I'm like, where the fuck have you been? Right. What but, rock did you live under? But people are busy, right? And how do yeah. we look? And we're friends, and we don't get to see each other as much as we want. And 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 it's not. And people don't owe us a favor to come no. out and see us. And it is that funny thing where I mean, I, I all the time I meet people. I mean, my neighbors uh, who live behind me, who um, our, our kids play together, Hunter. I'm sorry, River and their son are in the same class. They're really good friends. Um, they've never been to a show. They're our age. Um, they've, 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 they've never seen me. They've never, I gave them a DVD recently and they said, oh, wow, you're actually quite funny. Like, like they, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Because and, and, like and, and, I work as an electrician and I'll be crawling around someone's attic, putting a light in, <laughs> and then I'll come out of the attic and they'll go, my, my neighbor saw you perform opening for James Mullinger in Moncton. <laughs> Are you a comedian? 
And then the questions come out, you know, and then it's like, it's a weird thing to be. And as you say, you're, you're going through Sobeys and people can't believe that James Mollinger is buying some meat or well, something, you know, like, but, but then equally, <laughs> but for every person that might be familiar, there's many that, that aren't, of course. And that's the, I think that that's the trick is, is being aware of all the time. There's always an untapped market. I was, I was grinding and trying to, I was making showreel DVDs to send out a year in. Now, when I watch these things out, they are terrible. But I was always, I was always trying to aim high. I mean, part of it back then was, of course, you just needed to do that to get stage time. I was, I, had to, I mean, in England, you had to have a showreel just to get an open spot. And that open spot wouldn't be the next Chuckles show in three weeks. It would be in six months' time. I mean, so you were constantly having to grind just to get those open spots because there was thousands of comedians in all, all, trying to, all vying for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's no trickery in this game. If people aren't like, the, 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 graft is, is, is asking and pushing all the rest of it, but it's also going out and doing the shows. I mean, the, the first Hubble Station show, the trick was I did, uh, every single thing that I was asked to do any kind of public appearance for the two months prior I did. So someone says, we're opening a hairdressing salon in Lancaster Mall. Will you come and, and, you know, cut the ribbon? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, will you know, I'll come. Uh, do it free charge. Would you would you mind buying uh, six tickets to give out as as a giveaway? They said, boom, we'll do it. And I go there. Someone will win. I would announce I'm doing the show. I would do a couple of minutes of genius. Seven. The next night, I, uh, I did. Um, I was asked to do it. And things that I probably would not always necessarily do. Not through, not, not ne- these not, not, aren't not, things not, that you're necessarily doing now, but things that but, you but saw the opportunities. This is how, yeah, I was asked to do a fashion show, uh, being be part of a fashion show in a high school. Now again, high school fashion show is not top of my list of things to do. What? Uh, I know. <laughs> And I, I turn up at Ross, say hi, and um, and I and so I said, yeah, I said I'll do it, but I said uh, and I'll try the clothes on whatever and walk on the stage. I said, but can I do five minutes of stand up? So I go up, there's 300 people there, 90 percent of them won't have seen me or, or even heard of me. I do the thing. So the the MC says James Mind is a, a comedian. He's got a show up a station next month. And I did five minutes, and that's and so I showed them what I can do. So no one's coming to see a show, like. The, the 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 business model of grafting doesn't work if you're shit or if you haven't earned the, the stripes and you're not making it up. You've got to do that, which which is why I'm saying it to you, because you've done that. You know you're fucking great at it. And the audiences have, have proved it. And I mean, just I took a glance at Facebook on the way back here. There's people saying, shame is amazing, shame is amazing. Like people are saying, you know, which is, but, but yeah, the graft thing. That makes um, me feel really good, no, by no, the well, way. Yeah, and, and have a look. I mean, you'll, you'll see them. The girl, you've, you've got to be doing the job as well. That's right. The so job it, part it, of it. It's a common, you know, and I think I've been distracted with chuckles. Right. I, I think I've been putting a lot of the job work right. into my and And you're going to always business. need to continue doing that because, because it, I, I, I have to graft at the magazine thing as well as this. And, and so so it's not either or. You're yeah. doing uh, co-editor-in-chief. Yeah. That's your title, right? Yeah. Co-editor-in-chief yeah. of Maritime Edit. Mm. And your wife, Pam, is the other co-editor. Yeah, she's a correct? She's publisher, yeah. Publisher. She's and so so you're also doing that, yeah. but you're also working at your own personal stand-up at the same time. Yes, and that's the other it's thing. not either or. Yeah, no, it's not a world it's where constant. I'm either... Because I know a lot of my comedian uh, friends, contemporaries, whatever, peers, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call yeah. them, in the St. John scene go, well, you should be focusing on comedy. Right. And, and, I should and, be focusing and, and, on everything. And, and yes, it's true. And they are right. But the thing is, there are a fuck ton of hours in the day. And it's like Gary Vaynerchuk says, you, "Why are you watching Netflix? Right, right, well, what that, are you that, doing right now?" That, that, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. Hold thing, yourself accountable. We waste that. Uh, it's waste that time. You know, I might spend my time uh, on Google and Facebook, feeling jealous of what other comedians are doing. 
Well, that time can be better spent. And the thing is, I mean, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm editing a magazine. I'm doing tw- 10 people's jobs on the magazine. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm writing most of it. I'm the, you know, I, I'm doing, and, but still finding the time for the other stuff. You can, you don't, you don't need to go, I'm basically just back on what you're saying. You don't need to go, I need to, I need to spend less time promoting travels. No, fucking keep doing that because it's flying high and it's plain sailing and, and but there's, you've definitely got more time in your day to be promoting yourself because it doesn't actually take that long. You get the, you get your show edited. You get uh, a one-page PDF together saying what you do, quotes, uh, how many years you've been in the business, how you can offer you know a one-hour corporate show uh, tailored to an audience, blah 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 blah. Price list on there. That can all all of that you work with that can be done in an hour. Well, yes, if people are basically saying you're not funny, right? Which is right. what some people say. They're basically saying, he's not funny. All he does is say things in a funny accent. And, it, and, and it's not that they don't get what I'm going through. If you think that, then you don't really understand the facet of stand-up. Because guess what? Audiences are fucking not stupid. And guess what? Audiences don't laugh, just laugh at a funny voice. And if you think that the reason that your gigs are not going well and mine are is because I speak in a funny voice, well, you really don't get stand-up. That's absolutely... I couldn't agree with you, you more. You, you know, and, um, and, and no, one, no one can trick... And some people might argue that some uh, comedians' uh, audiences are smarter than others. And I mean, yes, we can go into a debate about how a Bill Burr audience is, is more... Uh, smart than Larry the Cable Guys, but that's not that. That's fucking uh, uh, classist. It's elitist. It's fucking pretentious bullshit. Just because Larry the Cable Guys, it's not true. It, it's not true. Just because Larry the Cable Guys audience like he, like what he does compared to someone else, and and this is what I know. Doctors that sit in a Jeff Dunham right audience, right? And and, and yeah, it, like here's my here's my my thing with stand up is is this, and the reason I love stand up so much as a craft, and the reason I love comedians is that stand up is one of the only. Uh, uh, jobs and almost certainly one of the only art forms that you cannot fake, right? So you can be, if you're Jim Carrey and you decide you want to become a painter, I don't know if Jim Carrey's, Jim Carrey, which he has, I don't know if Jim Carrey's paintings are any good, I'm not an art critic, but I do know you could possibly argue that they're shit, but the reason they sell for millions of dollars is because he's Jim fucking Carrey, right? Right, right. How, and you can fake that. Uh, you can you can be the son of a previous prime minister and become a prime minister. You can be the son of someone and become the CEO of a company because you're the son of that person. But what you, and you can be a terrible actor like Keanu Reeves and get a load of really lucky breaks and become a very successful actor and well done to you. What you can't do is trick an audience into laugh. Yeah. And then, what, you spend half an hour a day, in a half an hour, you can copy and paste the same body of an email to a hundred businesses. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, this is exactly what I do, and one out of those hundred turns into something, but as I say, that one... It's the same math that that I use to sell tickets. Exactly, that one is going to pay... Uh, for all of the gigs that we do for Well, my, my girlfriend says, why do you have 2,000 people on your Facebook, Shane? I, because if they live in the 506, I add them. Right. Exactly. And, I, and then I, exactly. I advertise chuckles. I advertise things. Yeah. That, you know. I, I, I reached my limit on Facebook with people, so I started deleting people in England because I don't want to necessarily... I basically deleting family in England to make way for people I haven't met in St. John. Someone tries yeah. to have me... And Sorry, Grandma, it's just yeah, business. Grandma's got to go. Grandma's not buying a fucking ticket. Right? But, but, but. Tonight at the theater, I looked at you mm. uh, from the wings of the stage and I went, okay, mm. I honestly don't know if I could do the hour. You know, the opening spot was very nice, mm. but it was, I could pull the parachute quick. You were out there in front of 500 people mm. tonight and you were like a fucking lion tamer at a circus. <laughs> 
So here's how it went. I did good. You know, I didn't. I'm, I didn't kill. I didn't murder. Um, I, you know, I parred up. If this is golf, it was par. It was acceptable, and I was happy. Um, first of all, the biggest part of the evening for me. Well, there were two moments that that are tied. Um, the first one was I just straight up asked James, "Why now? Why now are you inviting me um, to do this show?" And we got into a long conversation about confidence and about asking for things and opportunities and and all maybe excuses I've made or um, and he complimented me somehow. Being around Mullinger is like, I don't know, man. It, it, it's like you're, you've got Tony Robbins in your head when you're around Mullinger. There's just a, there's just an energy there. You can't think negatively around James. The one thing, the one thing I never got to say to James was when he was doing his homemade wine bit and when he was doing his maritime directions bits people were like starting to clap when he was doing this setup. You know, he's like the only comedian I know that like a like when a band plays, like a big rock and roll or, or a hip hop group, someone, you know, like a, a big uh, performance. Uh, any music, I'm trying to say music, musicians with big top 40 hits. Um, they started to cheer at the beginning of his bits. I mean, he's beloved. I mean, I mean, I could only wish to have that with my fans, you know? So, any any criticism I ever had about James or anybody that I know that had any criticism about him, take another look, man, because that guy's the real deal. And he's in the winner's circle, and that's where I want to be. And that's, I want to put myself uh, around not only James, but successful people more often, man, because it felt good. It felt good to be a winner last night. Hey, this that Eastside Johnny Big Redemption like. Know what I'm talking about? Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. Yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. Yeah. You either with me or against me, ho. Yeah.
diamonds like tap water That shit way too foggy These VVS is way awesome Park CLS for baby mama Drop to your death without warning Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah Get out the way, get the fuck up out my way, yeah You either with me or against me, ho Don't stay outside when I play outside I put the beats on them like drought side I got the bell side and they outside And if you act bad, I bring the cow side Go and get your money, bitch None of my niggas on some funny shit I can tell real by who you running with I'm all in the field, duck hunting shit Hit my plug just to re-up And he was like, boop Here Migo knew just what it was Flipped the whole dub and gave it back, boop Yeah 9-11, no mileage, baby Nine ball with no violence, baby My trigger finger got callus, baby My bare knuckles got talent, baby I'm all in the wind with it On deuce line, I been with it She too fine, I been hit it Crashed two times, I limo tinted my new ride I'm riding with the toaster Twelve bet not pull me over. over Championship going dumb whoa, Nothing to whoa, something, whoa, I won, whoa. bitch Get out the way, get out the way Talk. You contribute your success to the grind. Yeah, you, completely. And I mean, you got to admit, there's some skill there. You're a very funny person. Well, I mean, the grind would mean nothing if I, if I wasn't. 